Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Half-Gen Book Club, month number three. Consistency. Consistency is key. Uh, speaking of threes, you know, we're we're all aboard the threes. This will be the third podcast I edit this week. Yep, you know, it's turning <laughs> into a full-time job. Oh, God. Yeah, if only it paid. <laughs> if only I made any amount of money. It's the passion. We read a book this month. We did. <laughs> we did. We read uh, Halo First Strike by Eric Nyland. It is the third book that was published uh, based on the Halo series of games. It was released in 2003, two years after the first game came out, and one year before uh, Halo 2 came out. Um, yeah, and you know what? Like, when reading this book, I remembered liking The Fall of Reach better. Mm-hmm. I feel like this book is better. I feel like it's very close, but I think this one like edges it out by just a bit. I think the thing with this book is it's, you know, like fall of reach is really cool insight, but this book just like really gets to kind of illustrate the capabilities of the Spartans in a way reach never could in terms of like, you know, them and the Mjolnir armor and, you know, really going out and doing stuff. This book, they go out and do stuff. Yeah, Fall of Reach is very heavy on world building, which is fascinating and super fun. Um, but this is yeah, not taking not taking anything away from that book. Yeah, like that book is still excellent, and they're very close in quality. But like, man, rereading this book really like gave me a new appreciation. Like, I I was even thinking about it, like, cause like not you know we're gonna talk about the 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 bits and pieces of this book, but like even thinking about this book. I even look at like a game like Destiny and think, you know, maybe there was something to this and how it influenced late, you know, Bungie's later work, like the idea of like these Spartan teams and things like that, their personalities. And it's like, you know, maybe that's why Bungie, you know, had that emphasis on co-op later on and, you know, had that big emphasis on having these defined characters in co-op, not just extra Master Chief bodies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think totally. And I think we see a little bit or... We saw the 343 tried a little bit of that with Halo 5 um, and failed, but the kind of concept definitely has fl- flowed through the games one to another, with Halo 3 being the first game where the actual co-op party members were actually had backstories and that sort of thing. Yeah, so you kind of see, you know, and, and granted this wasn't written by Bungie, um, but this you can definitely see, like... Bungie took some inspirations, I would say, from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'd be hard not to. You know, I think at a certain point you got to look at your, you know, the the world building outside of your games and kind of be like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is something that we should consider building upon in the games. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's definitely reflected, like you said, Halo Three and you know what Three Four Three tried to do with Halo Five, mm-hmm. uh, and and even in like you know destiny when you look at the idea of like you know even the vanguard is a fire team you know it's the idea that these you know these characters these groups of you know defined individuals are coming together to do these things and like you think of like the roles they established within the spartans and you could look at that and say hey you know what these guardians have pretty established roles too yeah so it's really interesting to see how you know as much as this book doesn't have any direct influence on the games themselves. How much like you can kind of point back to this and some of the other extended universe stuff around 
Bungie's time with Halo and be like, you know what? You can see some of the inspirations for their later games and eventually Destiny in this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I don't think I'm reaching too much. I think that's a pretty ha, reasonable reaching ha! forever <laughs> upon when talking about Halo. End game. Uh, <laughs> the the swinging in Spider Man was pretty there good. Is, there is one part where he talks about in the book. It's like they were going to launch a first strike, and I was just yep. like verbally, I was like, and end game. Yep. I remember that part, thinking, "Wow, yep." There's the title. I was just like, end game. Let's go. <laughs> oh man. Well, let's say we get into it. Oh man. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure you have like notes or a summary because you're usually good for that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, there's uh, a prologue that's actually kind of flashes back to toward the end of Fall of Reach. Um, and it's actually Fred and Red Team um, being jettisoned down to the surface of Reach to try and defend the generators powering the Mac guns. Um, it's pretty it's quite a way to open the book because um, it's just pure action right away. Well, that's kind of how he did it with um, Fall of Reach, too. I think that's definitely his style, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Nyland's style, of kind of introducing us to the world. Like, even in Fall of Reach, like, he started with that mission where Blue Team is out there and, you know, they've got the thousands of grunts and Kelly just like, oh, you know, four of us and a thousand of them piss poor odds for those bastards, you know? Right, right. And like, you know, it, it's establishing the Spartans and then introducing the struggle, I think, is is how he does a really good job of that, is like making them feel really like incredible. And then kind of breaking them down and building them back up over the course of the story. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and it's it's always fun to revisit these characters that he set up so beautifully in Fall of Reach. There are so many characters in this book, like in all the Halo books, that I just wish like I could play as in the games. Right. Or could see in the games. And for varying reasons, I understand why you can't, but still. <laughs> it's yeah, it's after reading this, I have like a new favorite non-Spartan character that I totally forgot about up until this point. But we'll get there. Wait. Um hold on. I want to try and guess before we get there. Oh, already. Um, okay. Is it the guy or the girl? It is a man. Okay. Is it the the, the man with the bald head? It's the man or is it the, the, the man with the mustache? The man with the mu- Oh. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I was good. I thought you were talking about someone else for a second. I was like, I don't know. I thought he was uh, I wasn't even thinking about him. Well, there's actually two guys <laughs> with mustaches, so might be a different person. <laughs> is it the Texan? It is the Texan. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um <laughs> Yeah, because going back into this book, I... That is this book's keys. Yeah, it really is, man. It really is. Oh, God, I'm so mad. Even even the Master Chief, like, God. comments. Um, I think somebody comments on it over the course of the book. Like, you know, maneuvers, you know, does... Oh, man, I don't know. Yeah. But he's this book's keys. Yeah. So, like, going back into this book, I really only remember the beginning part. So, it was like reading it for the first time again, which was a great experience. Yeah, I kind of had that feeling, too, because there was a lot I was reading. I was like, I don't remember. I really only remembered the end. The, the, the oh, what, yeah. What did Sarge keep calling it? The something elephant? 
Oh, the uneven elephant. <laughs> the <laughs> uneven elephant. I fucking love Sarge so much. Oh. That doesn't look like an uneven elephant to me. <laughs> it's just like never oh, changed. God. You beautiful bastard. Oh, God. We're, we're, He's so well written in this book. He really oh, my is. God. oh, we're never going to get through this. Okay. We're never going to get through it. Like, okay. Man, we could just gush about the book for an hour. I know. I know. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Honestly, I've been toying with the idea of other ways we can do like spoiler casts and like book podcasts rather than Instead just doing just a summary. Summarizing. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we just talk? Let's just hit some big stuff. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's approach this as if everybody actually read the book. See, that's. I know. Uh, if I if we can I, we can partially summarize, yeah. but we don't have to go chapter by chapter if, through it, the book. God, if I was with you in person, I'd just give you a big old hug right now, buddy. I feel it. I feel I'm it. Glad. I'm so warm. I'm good. I'm so warm inside good. now. Um, so, so, Yo, can I just hold on? Yeah, uh, yeah. Time. There is a part. Um, I'm trying to think if this is the part I'm thinking of or another. Yo, man, there are so many like good parts in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nonstop. It's just nonstop. That's the thing. It's like there, like you kind of get through the beginning, and there's just a point where the book is just so hard to put down. Mm-hmm. Like it's like I have to go to sleep. Reading this book before bed is a mistake because it's like I could play Destiny and go to bed, but like <laughs> I'm reading this book and it's like yo, <laughs> yeah. I wake up in the morning, start reading the book. You know, like I took a break on my stream last night, started reading the book. I was late to come back. I was like, yo, we'll be back in like 10 minutes. It was almost 20 because I was reading the book. Yo, so I, I texted you about this like a couple of times. Can I tell you the part that made me tear yes. up on no, the yes, train? No, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So this is um where... I think I know which part you're talking about. So uh, Chief and Haverson are, and the rest of the crew are basically on their way to reach um, because um, they can't go directly back to Earth. And so Chief wants to go back kind of secretly to see if any of his team is still alive. Um, so they get back to reach, and then I'm just going to read the passage. Um, they get it. They, st- they key into like covenant transmissions around there, and one comes through. Um, and let's see. Uh, Lieutenant Haverson licked his lips. Play it, he said. A message beeped through the speakers. Six tones, then a two-second pause. It repeated. The Master Chief stiffened. That's it, Cortana said. Just those six notes over and over. It originates here. A tiny nav triangle appeared on the edge of the intact region on the planet's surface. It's not Morse code, Pulaski said. Also a great character. Um, Not any code I've heard of. Maybe it's a test signal? Something automated? Like an air traffic repeater relay, maybe? It's not automated, the Master Chief said. Everyone... Get up and get ready. We're going down there. There are Spartans down there, and they're still alive. He whispered so softly that only he and Cortana heard, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. And man, yeah. I was gone. <laughs> man, I'm trying to find. Oh man, the it's just like that I'm looking for right w- with now. how much he sets up the Spartans in the first one, and just w- with Chief thinking that everyone that he grew up with is dead. And just getting that, like, glimmer of hope. And just, like, I can see, even though, like, I don't have a mental picture of all the, like, what all the characters look like in my head. I can just see kind of their shocked faces when Chief says there are Spartans down there. And then just, like, him exuding that emotion of just, like, whispering it to Cortana so only she could hear. Man, Man, that got me. Oh. Yeah. 
There was a part I'm trying to find like the exact quote. Cover me real quick. Yeah, yeah. But like I kind of just went off on a tangent in the middle of the quote. Pulaski, another great character. She's fantastic. Uh, like uh, she, unfortunately, like man, she goes out like a boss. She does. They have to do like this emergency repair. They steal a Covenant, just super cruiser, super carrier thing, and like they're still Covenant on board this ship, and they sabotage part of the ship. And she's just like, I'll take the Spartans out there in the dropship. And, mm. like, she has no right to be doing this because, you know, like, that's a death wish. Yeah. And she's just like, whatever. They, you know, they'll get this done much faster if I bring them out. And she ends up getting killed. Yeah. and to, But even John, the Master Chief, is just like, she would have made a great Spartan. Yeah. And, like, like and, he, <laughs> and you know she's going to die. Because before she goes out, she has a conversation with Locklear. She had been wearing his bandana, and she's like, hold on to it for me for when I get back. And at that point, it was just like, yeah, God, she's going to die. There was there was no character in this book that I disliked, which is rare. There was no one I disliked in this whole yeah. book. Lock, like, yeah, I, Locklear started off as the stereotypical, like, oh, I hate Spartans because I'm an ODST. But he came around to, like, respect Chief. Whitcomb is just awesome. Oh, I just bought my oh, mic. I Admiral love him Whitcomb. so much. That's fine. Admiral oh. Wickham is excellent. Just like... Uh, that guy is a legend. It it makes you really... Uh, who was the other guy's... I'm blanking on the other guy's name. When uh, they're in the meeting room and it's uh, Hood and it's Whitcomb. Who's the other general? No, Whitcomb wasn't. Or did, Whit, no, no, no Whitcomb wasn't there. His seat was empty. Yeah. Uh, you're thinking Colonel Ackerson. Yeah, Ackerson, who like Ackerson's hates an Spartans, asshole. and he's the one who kind of originates the Spartan Three program by stealing a bunch of Halsey's stuff. Um, and just seeing the difference in kind of respect and communication between Spartans and higher ups in the military, just seeing the difference between Whitcomb and Ackerson, it's like, dude, Whitcomb got it, man. He just got it. Yeah, no, like, this guy is, like, he understand. like, and when he, when he learned, like, there was a chance, you know, that there could be Spartans surviving something, he was just like, you know, I won't leave anyone behind, and that goes double for a Spartan. Like, this is a guy who's just like, you know, when the rest of the military is like, oh, we're not sure, he's just like, if I could have an army of them, we'd have won this damn war, you know? It's just like, he appreciates... He's he's not sitting there like, oh, but what did we sacrifice to make the Spartan? He's just like, look, the Spartans are here right now, mm-hmm. and they're our best bet. Yeah. You know, the Spartans are why we're winning on the ground. You know, the Spartans are why we have a fighting chance. And the Spartans do some work in this book. Uh, I'm still trying to find this thing, so keep covering. Yeah. Um, one thing I wish, especially in Halo 5, when they actually had Blue Team in the game, but maybe depending on what they do for Halo Infinite, they could put it in just a cutscene. Or it would be great even as like a, you know in Destiny, there's like the fist bump emote where both people have to like walk up and press the button. Mm-hmm. I would love in, in Halo the Infinite, the smile. Yep. Oh my God. A, a, another time, like... When Kelly... Oh man. Kelly just walks up to... So the Spartans, they have all their faces on, you know, the masks. And when John first lands on Reach... I forgot that there were other survivors with the Admiral and he finds Anton yep. and Anton just takes a finger and like streaks it across his helmet in the shape of like a smile. Cause that's all they can do. And cause they can't see each other smiling. 
And then when the Master Chief finds Kelly, Kelly walks up to him with two fingers and just runs a smile across his visor. And it's just like, it's like this playful kind of like it's her nature to do that but yeah, it's just it really like is. this connection because she is a true like blue-blooded blue team member you know like mm. she is always on blue team yeah Ugh. all right i think i found it okay um so i wanted to find exactly what she said so this was in reference to Okay, yeah, I think I'm almost on the page with the exact quote. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, yep, I got it. So, when they get back, this is, again, we're just going to jump around. We're just going to talk about the stuff we liked about this book. So, this was the part, this was one of the parts I was thinking of when you were talking about, like, emotional, Mm. like... Here we are, we're back on the ship, and Halsey has broken down all the data on the flood from Halo. Yep, yep, yep. yep, And she has two reports. One that has, you know, just enough information about the flood and how to potentially, like, create countermeasures. And one that has all the information on how Sergeant Johnson survived his event with the flood. So, we all know Johnson lives from Halo 1 to Halo 2, but we all know he was there when Captain Keys and everybody else got taken. Long story short, he suffers from a disease called... Boren Syndrome. Boren Syndrome. And this is the effect of him taking a box, like a whole crate of plasma grenades, and throwing every single one of them. And it just got... He got radiation poisoning, effectively. And so he suffers from like short-term amnesia and things like that. And he will eventually die from this disease. It creates an issue with the central nervous system where when the flood parasite tried to interact with his brain, it couldn't figure out how to do it. I'm going to, can I, I don't want to undercut you. I can myth bust this though. What? So, Boren Syndrome is a real disease in the Halo universe. Um, yeah. And it is radiation, uh, but it's not the reason why he wasn't affected by the Flood. This comes out later in, in other books, I think. Oh, but, okay. But it's really because of his Spartan 1 enhancements from Project Orion that made it so much more difficult for them to access the nervous system. And Boren Syndrome was used as a cover-up for the fact that they didn't want any of that program being released. But oh, okay. at the time of this book, that's 100% what they think. They so 100% the think Born Syndrome, yeah. yeah. And Halsey does confirm that there is some level of flood. I have that same part highlighted. Through, yeah. Flowing through his blood. Like, he carries a non-infectious form of the parasite on his person. So which weird. has given him some level of regenerative ability. It's poor man's Wolverine, man. Yeah, so basically Sarge can take a beating and keep on going. That's like... I, like, I think of this, and I think of the scene from Halo 2 where he's fighting the Arbiter, and just, like, the Arbiter, like, has him, like, choked up against a wall. He's like, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, that's a man who knows he's just gonna be fine. <laughs> that's a dude, and then, like, you feel bad in Halo 3 because it's like, yo, that has run out. <laughs> yeah. Sarge is a mannequin. Anyway, so Halsey gives him both of these chips, and the Master Chief is just like, why would you give me two? Why would I give an incomplete report? And... So she's talking about the stuff with Sarge. 
And this is on the second report. And the chief says, so I'll give them the second report, which is Halsey replies, which will murder Sergeant Johnson. She said with a chill in her voice, Oni will not be satisfied to take a sample of blood. They will dissect him to find out how he resisted the flood. It will be a billion to one shot that they'll ever replicate his unique medical conditions, but they'll do it anyway. They will kill him because the trade-off is worth it to them. The Master Chief picked up the other crystal and then stared at them both lying in his gauntleted hand. Is it worth it to you, John? She asked. He curled his hand in a fist, held it close to his chest. Why do you want me to make this choice? One last lesson I'm trying to teach you. Uh, or one last lesson. I'm trying to teach you something that's taken me all my life to realize. She cleared her throat of the lump thickening there. I'm giving you the chance to make a decision that I thought I couldn't make. And it's just like, it's this thing where she, she later kind of talks to Cortana and she eventually like wipes all the information from Cortana to the point that she's like, I want John to be the only person who can make this decision. She, she in talking to Cortana is just like, I used to think, you know, the ends justified the means. I used to think that, you know, we could sacrifice X number of people for the greater good. And she said this whole time, I should have been fighting to save everybody no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a reflection of how the Spartan program has affected her over these years because she lost so many Spartans in the early phases. And part of it is definitely like, what if we had another couple dozen Spartans out there? You know, what if we had double the number of Spartans would have many, would as many Spartans have died? You know, if there were more of them out there, would we have been able to fight back harder? But it's the other thing of just like, humanity is facing potentially its final days. And it's like, what if instead of thinking about, you know, the few versus the many, what if we had just focused on saving every single life? And this is something that sticks with John through the rest of the book. And like, you know, Sergeant Johnson is just there. He's a present character throughout the rest of the story. Just like, almost like an invaluable, like he, he's an invaluable asset. And it, it's hard for John to make the decision, but he ends up giving Lieutenant Haverson the crystal with all the information. But then they go on and they do their mission on the uneven elephant. I fucking love him so much. <laughs> and he comes back. And at this point, you know, we learn that Whitcomb and Haverson, you know, it, so they go on this mission to the, the something Hierophant. I don't uh, even uh, remember. Uh, uh, unyielding. The, unyielding hierophant okay this is this big covenant station they've got hundreds of ships stationed nearby and the idea is they're about to launch an attack i don't think at this time as we learned later in halo 2 they don't realize that they're going to the home system of the humans they're going to the soul system and cortana finds this out kind of by accident so they've got this big mass of ships and they're about to just go into the soul system because they, as we later find out through like Halo 3 and stuff like that, they've identified that the Ark is, the, the means of reaching the Ark is there. Mm. They don't know humans are there. We learned that in Halo 2 when they come back with a smaller fleet and they're surprised to find that humans are living there. Um, So they were going to go and the Master Chief is just like, look, if we don't slow them down, it doesn't matter if you warn Earth or not. With the number of ships the Covenant have... They're going to get one of those stations down, one of the Mac guns, and they're just going to overwhelm the planet and it's over. Earth is it. That's all they have left. They lost reach. You know, what What else is there? There's no other, there's no other military presence for the UNSC outside of Earth. So John says, let me take my Spartans. 
We're going to do this emergency drop out of slip space. Might not even work, but we're going to go attack this station and we're going to try and at least slow them down. So you guys, you know, the Admiral and the crew have time to go and potentially save, you know, the earth, get them ready. And so they go on there and man, like Grace became one of my favorite Spartans through this. And then she just gets dropped at the beginning because they get ambushed by brutes. And this is the first time we're introduced to brutes in the books. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they really make brutes sound way cooler than they actually are (laughs) because brutes just suck. It's more than the bullet sponges. in, In the games, elites are better than brutes, hands down. But the way they talk about the brutes in the book, man, like to the point where the Master Chief like almost loses a one-on-one fight with a brute because it's just overpowering him. Yeah, he. I think it's, I'm paraphrasing, but he said like the muscles in the brute were just like beams, steel beams yeah, or something. Yeah, like their, their tendons were like yeah, steel. Yeah, that was it. Like, yeah. They, they, yeah, like they were just unbreakable. Like there was nothing he could do to feasibly like just defeat this brute. Like mm. brutes are a menace. Like he called them like they said they could take on anyone, including the hunters. You know, and it's just like, it's this thing where, you know, they get ambushed and Grace just gets dropped by brute shots. Man. And it's a damn shame. And then like, they have to set her fusion reactor to go off. And when it goes off, she ends up taking like a bunch of, excuse me, like a bunch of elites and grunts and jackals with her. Mm -hmm. And John was like, she'd be happy to know that. Yeah. And it's like, you get this emotional connection with the Spartans throughout the story. But yeah. anyway, so they go through and they manage to set this off and they, you know, they, they don't know how they're going to get out and they find this transmission on the E-band, uh, the, which is their frequency and it's the Admiral and he's there with the, they have like this hybrid covenant human ship they've been flying around. It's pretty with. cool. It's really cool. It's just basically <laughs> like, imagine like a covenant ship and you just attach like a human ship on top of it. It's and really dumb it. and that's cool. It. It's the dumbest, coolest thing ever. And so the Admiral, like, he told the Master Chief, like, this is one way. I'm not coming back for you. The Admiral came back because he was like, what good is it if I go and warn? Like, he compared it to the Alamo. And he was like, what good is it if I go back and warn them? And that, you know, and this force failed. And you're, you know, you're, I can't even talk just thinking about it. You know, what if you fail or even if you succeed, if there's a couple hundred ships left, what's Earth going to do? So he figured, like, it's better for me to come back and help you buy more time than it is to go and warn them. Because I can warn them all I want. It's not going to help. And he ends up sacrificing himself along with Lieutenant Haverson. They trick the Covenant into thinking they have an artifact that they don't have. The Covenant will swarm him. They swarm the station. And uh, the human ship is just kind of floating. They get it operational with the slip space engine from the, the Covenant ship. And they end up taking off back to Earth. And Sergeant Johnson, to, to finish what I started with this story, Sergeant Johnson comes back. Dude, there's so much to talk about. It's I hard. Know. I know, I know, I know. You know- <laughs> I get it. I get it. He gets it. He read the book. Oh, such a good book. God. <laughs> such a good book. Um, he comes back and is like, hey, you know, Lieutenant Haverson says you have to deliver this yourself. He gives him the crystal. And John er, and the chief is just thinking about what the admiral said. And he was like, he kept comparing their situation to the Alamo. He said, you know, you know, all those people, all those soldiers died, but the civilians got to live. And he said, you know, all those men died, but they took all these people with them. And he's like, you know, it's not about, you know, saving, you know, the ones you can't. It's about saving 
everyone who matters, you know? And it's like, we've got to save every person that we can. More or less, it's something along those lines. And John just has the other crystal still. So he has both crystals and he thinks about it. He's like, in the long term, yes, I was right to give them the other data because like, the you know, dealing with the flood could be potentially hugely beneficial. But he's like, right here, right now, a soldier of Johnson's caliber is outweighs the need for a potential cure for the flood. And he crushes the crystal just to dust. Yeah. Cause at like at some point, uh, prioritizing the needs of the many over the needs of the few can only go so far until there's not enough of the few left to actually continue on fighting for the many. So having someone like Johnson there, He's such who, a valuable resource. Who, but himself is just a valuable soldier, but he's also shown throughout the book when Corporal Locklear was, like, going crazy and was, like, antsy. Sergeant Johnson kept calming him down. Like, Johnson just has this swagger, like we see in the games. He just carries himself in such a way. He has almost the same calming presence that the Spartans do. He's like Sergeant a, Johnson shows up, and people are like, hey, you know what? Sarge is here. We're going to be okay. It's like how some, like coaches in sports or players coaches he's a soldier's coach like he's there like soldiers get him regardless of their odst or navy or whatever branch they are that he he just gets them and everyone respects him you think of like the cairo bridge scene from halo 2 where you know he drops the <laughs> tank and the guy's like we're, you know, we're all gonna be dead if we don't get out he's like are you hit soldier <laughs> no then pull yourself together <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're going to ride across the bridge on this tank. Blow up any inhuman son of a bitch dumb enough to get between you and the profit of regret. And it's just like, the guy's like scared. He's just like, oh, I guess I'm riding this tank now. <laughs> and I and I think it's that, I think it's that sense of humor that endears him to soldiers and make them feel more at ease around him. Well, because well. he makes it sound so easy, yeah. but he's so confident about it. It's like, he makes the impossible sound easy to the point where I think that's what kind of makes him and you know, John's such good friends is like, he is, he can be what John can't be. You know, John has to be the Spartan. He has to kind of be serious. And you know, he kind of eventually lets that guard down as the, as the war wages on and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and eventually like, you know, he, he eases up, he starts cracking the odd joke and things like that because his personality, you know, the, the, the real military that they drilled into him at a certain point, you know, his humanity starts to come out. Because it's kind of been drilled away and grinded away. I mean, just look at stuff like the flood. You know, even Cortana mentions, like, even before our mission on Reach, your your attitude has been deteriorating. He's just like noted. Yeah, and I liked the like, back and you. I liked the back and forth on that because, like, very briefly before that, Chief was noticing how Cortana was getting slower on responses and kind of giving him more sass because she was holding so much data from the Halo ring, which explains why she went so crazy in um halo one when they came back yeah when he came back with like guilty spark but and it's really cool like oh god but yeah so he saves johnson and it's the right thing to do yeah but johnson is more important as the individual than you know what they than the potential flood anything that they may or may not even get from him yeah and it, it, it would be interesting as kind of as time went on because if Whitcomb and Haverson wouldn't have gone on that mission by themselves, Haverson would have handed in, and they got, went back to Earth, Haverson would have handed in the crystal and it would have been the end of Johnson. It's because of that second chance that the Chief gets is the only reason why 
he gets to save Johnson. And I think a lot of it is just because like he's finally like a big part of it is he goes on that mission and he loses Grace. And, you know, he loses another Spartan. And it's just like there's not a lot of Spartans left. At and, all. Uh, Kelly's gone. Halsey took her to do something. So there's only, what, five Spartans? Six Spartans at the time? Who's left at the end of this? Kelly? She's somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we know where Le- she's going, but that's another book. Linda um, Fred Chief. Will. Will, yeah. Linda because- Fred Chief Will, and then Grace, and Grace dies. Because there were yeah. five on the mission to the uneven elephant. Um, and that's, I- that's what it's called. That's what it's called. That's canon. Yeah. <laughs> And, <laughs> from and the both, only mouth that matters right and both isaac and vin die at castle base so that's yeah. and, and just like and then at, lee dies lee and anton die yeah. uh at the same time pulaski does man I, anton went out like a boss he's oh. just sitting there firing his gun at elites there's a big ass plasma discharge coming towards him and he's just like well i better kill the elites first yeah, and just like... Oh, God, it, what a boss. Like, you see... like These see other Spartans are so cool, and we never get to know them. Yep. But, like, we know they're... Like, but their deaths have meaning because they're just doing these incredible things. Like, so many of these Spartans are so severely injured. Like, Anton... Like, Fred. Fred had, like, almost no Achilles tendon yeah, by the Kelly time had, they found him. And Kelly had a collapsed lung. Kelly and, almost died like, twice. Yeah. Well, and and like we're talking, Linda about- was literally dead and brought back to life, uh, and yeah. then she's pulling off sniper shots like the chief said he's never seen before. Uh, yeah, and I was just about to say we keep talking about these emotional connections to these Spartans who are kind of by by definition and by the parameters of the storytelling are supposed to be these emotionless, almost robotic characters, but we get so emotionally invested in them. When at the beginning of the book, when chief is just drifting through the debris field and they find three cryopods. And when he gets, he's up on the deck when they're bringing them in and he just gets over the comm. He just hears there's a Spartan in one of these and he runs down and he's, yeah, that's yeah. When they're on the, um, the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he finds out it's Linda and like, I could in like I could feel his heart skip a beat when he sees Linda. And that was there. the thing is he picked them up at the beginning of the book. He picked yeah. up those crowd pot. He didn't even look. Yeah. He didn't even look. He just picked them up. Linda was with him the whole book. Yeah. And, and like oh man. And I, like I, yo, there was one great part where it's them talking and like Linda is still like, you know, recovering. And they're talking about her sniping and Will just says something like, yeah, that's why she always likes the sniper nest. You know, I remember this one mission. I swear I caught her snoring, you know, and there was another one where they're talking and they're just like, hey, you remember that mission we went on where we had to go underwater and Mendez sabotaged all our tanks. Yep. <laughs> so we stole his. They're like, yeah. and then Grace was like, yeah, or it was Will again, I think. And he's like, yeah, we spent a whole week just grilling shells and, you know, campfires. And Grace is just like, mm, calamari. Yeah. And it's just like, there's this bond built, like they're laughing and joking. And like, you think there's just these stern stone faced soldiers and they are, but when they're together, there's something else entirely. They are a family. They're reminiscing. And like, even the master chief is like, you know, he's glad that they can joke about this. And even Linda, you know, was joking about stuff. It's like, it's glad we could joke about, he was glad we could joke about Linda because she was literally just dead. Yeah. You know, there, there is so much like, and even for like these kind of faceless, voiceless Spartans who don't get to do a lot, 
there's still that building there. And it's like you learn through the other interactions that it's like they're like this with all of them. You know, Anton and Lee, they didn't get to spend a lot of time in the book, but they saved Admiral Whitcomb. You know, yeah. they saved arguably the most, de- definitely the most important non-Spartan in the whole book. Yeah, yeah. And they I saved think, his life. And, and I think so much of this is enhanced by the fall of reach because you know that these these were kids these books were, are companions yeah 100 they are it's, companions to each other yeah it's like because you see it's these finite number of kids who were kidnapped they went through hell growing up and then since there's so few of them especially which is one of my problems with getting caring too much about the spartan 3 program with the spartan 2s there's so few of them that you know that each into each Spartan 2 deeply knew every other Spartan 2 and every time they lose one it's like losing a close close family member yeah and like John every time he pulled up the list to mark another one as MIA like he looked at the list and he just kept commenting like there's so few of us left yeah every time he added another name and he had to change another thing it was another one missing and he's just like why are there so few of us left yeah. And like he felt responsible. Like the whole time like he thought everyone died on reach and he was just like I sent my family to die. Mhm. And like he was so hurt and broken over it. Like man. Yeah. And then like later on when they finally regroup and, like, he has to tell them what happened on Halo. Like, he's telling Admiral Whitcomb, and I think Fred was there and a lot of the guys. And he's just telling the story of how they landed on Halo. And, like, I can just only imagine. You know, it, they talked about, like, Haverson and everybody showing up. And they didn't say a word as the Master Chief is telling the story. Because nobody knew about the library. Yeah. and So and nobody what... knew about this deeply personal thing where the Master Chief overcame these incredible odds. What's what's our hero? What was that hero's Marine? The hero Marine from Reach or from oh, the Flood. Oh, let me. Oh, I hope he oh. talked about them. I don't think he did. That, that oh, person, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah but yeah, I mean, yeah, like, you know, yeah. just kind of telling the story. I hope he's just like, yo, and this Marine, though, is a yeah. legend. But. Oh man, like I, I can just imagine being Marvin Mabudo. Marvin Mabudo. Oh, what a my boss. dudo. Oh, but God. like, could you imagine being in that room and having the Master Chief tell you about the library? I, like, that's just such a like you know that mission is hard in the game. But imagine in a more like grounded, realistic uh, you know air quotes setting of the book where it's like you know you can't just crank the difficulty down and there's no checkpoints. Imagine trying to beat the library on legendary without dying. Yeah, and I love that at the once he's done, Whitcomb says something along the lines of, "If it was anyone but you telling me this, I would tell them to go to the psych ward." Yeah, <laughs> but like, I believe you, Chief. Just imagine being in that room and hearing like he survived that. Like even if you're another Spartan, if you're Fred, you hear that and you're like, "He survived that." Yeah. Like the library is just this inconceivable event that it's just like, how does anybody get through that? Which is just like the legend of the Master Chief is just like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we forget this dude is like 
a legend among legends. You think of all the stuff, like, Fred literally led his team. They had to drop onto Reach from, like, hundreds of meters in the sky. And they had to do... They had to do a crash landing, and only four of them died. He managed to save all but four. Yeah. But still four of them died, and, like, they went through all this stuff. They survived for days and weeks on Reach, just doing, like, Anton and Lee and Grace just did hit-and-run operations for weeks just to kind of keep the covenant on their toes while Admiral Whitcomb was trying to figure out how to get them off the planet. Yeah. It's like three Spartans are just running ops, disrupting covenant activity just because they can. Yeah. And then this guy has to tell the story of the library. And do you think every Spartan is like, well, shit, what do I have to do now? (laughs) (laughs) I got to top that. (laughs) Imagine being Fred. Like, God damn it. I have to one up that. (laughs) I'm tired of being second place to that. (laughs) Man, like, it's just... Holy shit. This is um, such a good book. This is such a better way to do this. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. So, one of my favorite sequences in the book was I feel like we could say that to everything. Every sequence we talk about. Uh, I really liked the Castle Bay sequence. Yeah. With just them reuniting with Halsey... And then the mad dash to try to find a way to escape and just keep going deeper and deeper and finding these symbols. On, I really, on... I really liked how they touched on like how they hated their names because she always knew who they were and she was like oh, William yeah. and Will was just like I hate when she calls me that. You yeah, know? it's just like, like she can she can always tell even if they have all the armor. She knows who they on. are. She knows yep. who each of them is like without even like a second guess. It's like, imagine having, like, octuplets and just being able to be, like, you know, Jimmy, Sammy, Debbie, you know, just whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really like the Castle Bay sequence, because you also get to, like we touched on earlier, see at how high a level of productivity these Spartans are working at with how crippled they are. And because you see, like, Kelly basically... Halsey tells Kelly to just lay down because you need to stop. And <laughs> you need to stop or you will die. <laughs> yeah, and she and she and Halsey also just like destroys a UNSC AI who's trying to stop her, which is also great. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was actually really good. She's just like, oh, I'm breaking the rules. Who's gonna stop me? Kill it. <laughs> yeah, I was actually kind of sad when um I think the AI's name was Kalmia when she died. She the, had to. I know. She, I know she had to, but it was still sad because like. Well, because she, she earlier in the book, this AI, because, like, she knew that there was a way to destroy smart AIs. They have, like, this crystal that basically, like, they can degrade with, like, uh, radiation, and it will mm-hmm. wipe their memory cells. And the AI asks her, like, do all smart AI have this? And Halsey replies, no, but that's only a half-truth. And then later on, when she has to destroy her, she says, not all smart AIs have this, but the important ones do. And the AI is just like, I understand, you know, Dr. Halsey. Yeah, you know, because she she was Halsey's replacement AI after she, she gave was the Cortana prototype. the chief. No, she was the prototype for Cortana. Oh, she okay. Was, she tested, like, all of Cortana's, like, infiltration tech. Mm-hmm. It was all tested on her first. And gotcha. then when it was proven to be effective, it was transferred to Cortana. Mm-hmm. So, like, that, she was the trial run Cortana. Gotcha, gotcha. That's why she's so good. i thought it was really crazy throughout this book that the chief and cortana really did not get along the way we see in the games yeah yeah i I think it's just really butted heads yeah and it's just like 
so recent because of Halo. I think Halo was such a strain on both of them. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. is She's carrying all that data. She doesn't have time to be compassionate or witty. And she just like, you know, she keeps saying, I thought I told you this. You mm-hmm. know, I thought, you know, I shouldn't have to explain this. And then Chief is just like, well, maybe you should. Yeah, and there are times in the book where... I thought they were going to break up. You know, mom and dad are fighting again. (laughs) (laughs) There there are times in the book where um, it's really apparent that Chief is this legend. But at the same time, there's multiple times throughout the book where he's just like, Cortana, do something. We need need you to do something. We need your help or else we're not going to make it out of this. And it really, like, contextualizes how symbiotic and codependent they are on each other. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I it's it only exemplified like when they're separated, like every time yeah, they're separated, yeah. they both run into these issues where, you know, they, they can't, there are these things like imagine the library is a totally different situation. I think if Cortana is there. Oh yeah. Because that's a calming element. Like the master chief doesn't feel so lonely. Like you remember in fall of reach, he commented, he said it, he was used to operating as a team and operating by himself was one of the hardest things he ever had to do. You know, he's not the lone wolf type. Like Linda, mm, but yeah. like, he just like, this is hard. He's yeah. just like, this is hard. And it's like, if Cortana is there, it, it's not as hard because he's got that person that he's comfortable with that familiar presence. So like, you know, it's, it's again, it's one of the smartest things in game design, but it's also a very important step in developing their relationship. And I think this was also an important step because the chief just does, you know, does end the book because Cortana is simultaneously going through this crisis, a, a air quotes, midlife crisis, if you will, because she's thinking like with all the stuff I'm carrying with all the way I'm, uh, I'm pushing myself. Am I shortening my lifespan? How long do I really have? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. AI, smart AIs only have a certain lifespan before they literally think themselves to death. Seven years. Yeah. It, it, she's like, do I have less than that now? Because, yeah, because I'm carrying, I'm doing all this stuff and she starts taking risks and copies and things. I found it funny. A couple things. I found it funny when she, when she worked with the covenant uh, translation tech. And that explains like, like how with a snap, she was able to translate the prophet in halo two. Oh, when she's yeah. like, you know, he, I, he's going to activate Halo. He's like, are you sure? Snaps her finger. She's like, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's where she got it. And then yeah. like, I think at the end of Halo 4, remember when all the Cortanas pop up? Yeah. I think that's the cloning tech. Yeah. Now in the it. context of that, knowing that 343 was reaching into the fiction, I uh, think that's the cloning tech. Yeah, and it's it's a great callback because we see how chaotic. But I didn't get it, it back then because it's been a while since I read the book. Yeah, no. <laughs> and 100%. now I'm like, holy shit! Halo Four's way cooler now. <laughs> <laughs> also, can we? I've never been. I don't think I've ever been more attached to a ship. Can we pour one out for the Ascendant Justice Yo, and just all the work that put in for them? Oh my god! While still being filled with Covenant. <laughs> Yeah, the entire time. The, up until the There's end. There's literally like thousands of, <laughs> And that's the Arbiter ship! How about that for one? That's I his totally ship! I totally forgot about that. Because at the end of the book, when Tartarus... I don't know if you read the last thing I started reading it, but Tartarus meets with the Prophet of Truth. And he's like, what about... Because they had that name where he was the thing. It's, it was the special title they had for it. Like he was yeah. carrying the light of something. That was the Arbiter ship. Yeah. The Ascendant Justice was his ship, and he lost it to the humans. Dude, what a legend! After they ship. blew up Halo, they Yo. stole the Arbiter ship and went <laughs> joyriding across the galaxy. 
the oh so the the scene with that and when they had the the crystal artifact that was distorting slip space that like you know when you wring out a washcloth and it's just twisted that's yeah. what my mind was thinking about like they're trapped in this weird slip space bubble where when lasers are shot at them i just see it like circling around them in this irregular space and it's just like it's just bad hit detection uh, yeah it's yeah, like it's, it, it's, it's, it's a bad lag. uh it's lag no it's, it's lag. Bad, uh, they're literally lagging in real uh, what life was, <laughs> what was it i i'm forgetting the term uh when roadhog's hook would go around corners the tick rate the, yeah, bad tick That's rate. what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's effectively yeah. lag. It's just a really low tick rate. It's like a tick rate where they're like updating like once every like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Imagine and like, trying to play a game like that. <laughs> yeah. And just like, dude, so Locklear. Man, it's when I first read through and I when we you get to the part where he basically blows up the crystal and kills himself. I was like, yeah. man, what a kind of bummer thing to go out on. And then I, t- I like stopped for a second and I thought back and I'm like, this dude survived Halo. He well, survived sur- however, I mean, remember he referenced however many suicide missions he'd been on too. He's like, he'd yeah. been on countless, su- so he survived just being an ODST, which has a yeah. high mortality rate. Oh, and yeah. then go on, yeah. Uh, yeah, so all those suicide missions, he survived Halo, he survived the destruction of Halo, and finally he finds some sort of human connection with Pulaski, and Pulaski dies. And just thinking of, like, the Spartans, they're so conditioned and almost regimented and programmed to be able to suppress all that stuff and kind of bottle it down, and just seeing it affect just a normal human so much to I the mean, point where can, it's not worth it. All things being equal for what it's worth, I thought he handled it pretty well. Until like, no. you know, I don't think he expected to die when he blew that oh, thing up. It, yeah, no. I, no, I think and he I'm was not... ready to go. And that's the thing even John said, like, you know, was he so different from the other Spartans? You know, yeah. another guy where he's like, he could have been a Spartan. He would have been a, gr- a great Spartan. It's you know? the, the, the crew in this book was so good. All of them were so good. Even these characters the, uh, are just so d- well developed and built, and just dude. And talk about the the Oni Spook Haverson actually going in with Wickcomb at the very end on that suicide mission. He knew. He like, knew, that's but the thing like, is that's that's his. He knows, and he's just like he knows as well as Wickcomb does that it's like there's nothing to go back and warn them about. It's here or never. It's, yeah, it's now just, or never, you know? I just I just picture Oni Spooks as cowards, and him actually, like, He never going... struck me as the cowardly type, at least. Like, that was a dude who picked up a gun and was, like, yeah, providing yeah, yeah. covering fire. Like, I give him credit where credit is due. That dude, like, kind of had it. He, oh, yeah, he, no. He knew. Yeah, to I'm just saying when I think of... Like, he, and he didn't, like, he didn't, like, spook, you know, he didn't spook himself to being, like, you know, I should be in charge. You know, he was just a guy who kind of was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do what I need to do. We're going to survive. Mm. This is a team thing. Like, and, yeah. and I think that's what's great about him being an Oni spook is like, mm-hmm. he's not what you would expect them to be. Cause they probably are mostly cowards who kind of dip in the shadows and are like, all right, peace. I'm out while this goes to hell. You know, mm-hmm. like they're the type of people. Oh, the covenant are at reach. I'm already on a ship back to earth later people. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. but Haverson is not that kind of dude. Like Haverson is a dude. Like we ride together. We die together. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and talk about another great callback to Fall of Reach. 
which I totally forgot happened in this book. You go back to the insurrectionist colony that the Spartans yeah. run their first mission on. And it's like, man. And the new governor's there. <laughs> the, the new governor is like, <laughs> he's dumb. He's real dumb. He's like a... Yeah. <laughs> man, he is just like that goofy I, I, like, throwaway character. I pictured Matthew McConaughey. I think I kind of almost pictured like a... You know, like that first prince in um, uh, 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 Code Geass? Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of like yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. What was yeah. his name? Um, I, I've oh my watched God. that so long, I have no idea. Clovis. Yeah, that's Clovis. it. It was Clovis. That was him the whole time. It was uh, Clovis. Um, yeah, I thought that was a super fun callback. And, like, seeing... And, like, it is cool because they saw it. And the Master Chief is like, wait a minute. The, was it Eridanus? <sighs> Uh, yeah, it's in the Eridanus system. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, Eridanus, he's like, wait a minute, I know where we can get repairs there. And Whitcomb's like, are you are you kidding me, son? And he's like, no, I know exactly where we need to go. Yeah. And he's just like, we ran our first op here. And Whitcomb's like, son of a gun. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, and like, it's again, another like... Standoff pissing contest. <laughs> well, that, but then it's also like, once, once the, the crew of the Ascendant Justice fends off that Covenant attack, like earning the respect getting repairs like showing that showing the insurrectionists like hey this is everyone's war not just the unsc's well yeah because like they were very resistant to providing help and then whitcomb was basically just like hey you know what that covenant cruiser goes missing for a little while guess what's gonna come more covenant whether you yeah. like it or not we're in the same situation and so like they willingly offer repairs at that point and it's like to the point where you know, they're, they're, they're in the fight together. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, we, we can't afford to not work together on this because, you know, we're, we're not really fully fight capable. You're not really fully fight capable. And then things got so bad, more covenants show up and Whitcomb has to leave them. And he's just yeah. like, this is not a fight we can win and they can't get out. And he's just like, it's us or them. And he said, if we yeah. stay, everyone dies regardless. Mm. We can't save them. And yeah. so, and, uh, you know, they, they end up leaving the rebels behind, but it's like, you know, it was another Alamo thing. He's like, we can't, you know, we're not all going to make it just because we stay and fight. Yeah. And I also love how when they first get there, uh, the governor threatens them with nukes. And then once the governor are there, he's like, yeah, that was a bluff. They're just like radiation sensors. My bad. Yes. <laughs> and Wickham was like, oh, great. Thanks. He's like, it looks like we were both uh, flexing. <laughs> Yeah, because I only have one working turret. <laughs> They're like, you can take them out with all your fancy turrets. It's like about that. Yeah, <laughs> I it's have like, one, and it's not ready. <laughs> we can we can like light up two of them to look menacing, but they won't do anything. <laughs> and it's just like, oh. oh, an unfortunate series of events. God, can, not books we'll be reading. <laughs> I need to talk about need to talk about my boo, Linda. God, I love her so much. Is she... Hold on. Like, I know we all have... Like, are we in agreement that the Master Chief is everyone's favorite Spartan? And then it's just your second favorite Spartan after that? Or is she your think, actual favorite? I think... I think Chief is, like... Like, on his own plane of existence. And then... It's like... Then you have your... So he's, like, ascended Super Saint. <laughs> yes. He's, like... He's, like... Yeah. Super Ultra Instinct, whatever. Um, and then it's like who your actual like favorite Spartan is. Okay, mine and is still Linda's... Jerome. You'll eventually find out when we allegedly play Halo Wars two. 
Yep, yep. And Linda is mine, and just for so many reasons. So she Will comes is back probably my dead. close second after that. Will's very big cool. fan of Will. Um, so what like one passage that I highlighted in the book um, about Linda, it's uh, right before they go to the uneven elephant, and um, yep. So the Master Chief just detected a slight limp to her stride and an almost imperceptible awkwardness to her usual fluid motions. And he opened a private comm channel to Linda. What's your status? Are you fit? She shrugged. The gesture was notoriously difficult to perform in Mjolnir armor with its force multiplying circuits. It took a degree of concentration and dexterity that spoke volumes about Linda's true coordination. And I love that stuff, man. Yeah. And then she's hanging upside down from one leg using a sniper with one arm shooting through like millimeter inch holes sniping bait. millimeter banches. inch yeah dude i'm so hyped <laughs> I know, I, I'm metric I'm standard okay. yo happy marriage it's the future there who knows go. um oh i just dropped the book i'm so excited ow it hit my foot <laughs> <laughs> um but just like and then seeing chief discover her where she is he's like i can't find her anywhere is she like posted up She's just in this perfect position where she's in the shadow, but also to her back is just this blinding light. And yeah. so, like, she is, like, almost impossible to see. She's hanging there by a leg and her other arm, and she's just, like, firing one-armed. Yeah, one-armed like the- precision sniper shots, the likes of which he said he's never seen before. He was, She was on a whole other level. Mind you, she was dead a few hours ago. Yeah, and I think at some point in this book, there was a flashback to one of their operations when they were, like, kids still training. And it's like, Linda is the only person, the only sniper who doesn't need a spotter. Well, that, that would only slow her down. That and the thing that he said about her that I thought was the most telling was, like, she was the lone wolf. She was, like, yeah. a part of the team, but she would always stick to herself. And she would wait days for that perfect shot. And he said, if any of the Spartans could be described as a lone wolf, it was Linda. And in a way, that made her the strongest of all of them. Mm, because she could survive on her own. And that's what I love about her. Because I've, I find myself to be a, an isolationist, and I r- relate to her quite a bit, and i She's just I love the part oh, where they were man. talking and I think Kelly was the one who like made the smile like remark or they said a joke and they yeah. were like we got they got to see the rare barefaced smile from Linda. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. like she wasn't in her armor cuz it was getting fixed. Mm-hmm. And so they got to actually like see her smile which was a rare occurrence for Spartans cuz even when they're hanging out they're in their armor. Everyone else yeah. is fully decked out in Mjolnir. Yeah, all the time. That's that's their that's how they are. That's how they know each other. It's just like they're yeah, decked out. She was put into cryo in her armor. It's I like mean, that's, Chief that's goes into smart, cryo in his armor. I mean, that's a smart thing to do for all of them, regardless, because that shit burns yeah. your skin. As yeah. as we hear many times. Actually, yeah. no, they said it was worse. That's right. They said I remember at the beginning of Fall of Reach when they un- uniced him or when they got to that point in the Pillar of Autumn. Was that the beginning of the flood? No, it was at the beginning of the flood. I'm sorry. When they de-iced the chief and they're like, you know, he was frozen in his armor. You know, that must hurt. So actually it is uh, worse. Yeah. yeah. I was wrong. Crap. Uh, um, but that's the man. only thing that kept her alive. Or yeah. not not alive, but like revivable. It's, it's, yeah, revivable. Dude, yeah. she was dead for weeks. Yeah. She was clinically dead. And they just cloned her some new organs. And <laughs> she's popping shots. Yo, Halsey has that portable organ flash cloning thing. Yeah. Boy, talk about just convenience. <laughs> yeah, no, God, dude, look at Must be she, nice. She flashes a new liver and a lung for Kelly so she doesn't die of internal bleeding. Like, Kelly yeah, was Halsey. running around 
Kelly yeah. was tearing ass, and she had only one lung. Yep. And she was tearing it up. She is the fastest Spartan of all of them. She has one lung, and it's just like, eh. Yeah, it's fine. I can still quip, so I must be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I think that's like most of the... Like, most of the high points, which is like the entire book. But I think that's like most of the things that I wanted to talk about personally. Do you have any other moments in particular or any other scenes or characters you want to talk about? Like, I think a big thing, we talked about it a little bit, is just how important, like you mentioned at the beginning, how how important Whitcomb is to the overall story. Because mm. this guy is very much a realist um, and because he's an admiral, he's not like, you know, where Captain Keys is kind of cold and calculated, but he has that, he has that way about him. Whitcomb is very relaxed and very informal because he's not just a captain. He's an admiral. You know, he is a big wig guy. And it's the anti-Del Rio. He, yes. Like, dude, Del Rio <laughs> has to be like from the school of Ackerson. He has to be one of the worst characters in the history of the franchise. Absolutely. Um... <laughs> But, like, this guy is just... The way he carries himself... And, like, he is just so important to the overall story... Because he... He believes in the crazy plans. Like, he he believes in the tactical value of chaos... In the same way that, like, a keys... In the same way that the keys... Keyed pulls off the loop, you know... And does something almost impossible... Whitcomb, you know, doesn't necessarily pull off the impossible... But he has the same level of an orthodox tactical prowess where he's just like i don't care if it's crazy can it work okay let's do it you know like that that's the way he looks at it and his you know the way he builds relationships with the crew you know the surviving crew and his belief in the spartans is so important for carrying out so much of what happens especially at the end of the book the first time the master chief requests the mission to go to the uh, uneven elephant he declines it outright he's just like no absolutely not there's no way. And then, like, they slowly start coming up with, like, feasible ways for him to potentially do this thing. And he's just like, I can't believe you're convincing me to let you do this. To the yeah. point where he believes in them so much, he stops his return to Earth to come back and effectively save the day. If he's not there, the Spartans don't take out as many ships. They don't get out of there alive. And... You know, Earth still falls. Let's be real. Earth still falls. It makes me so angry. Oh, and then hold on. The best characters are killed in the book. Dude, there was the part where Pulaski says, I will bring, you know, I'll bring them. I'll bring them to do the work in the dropship. And he mumbles under his breath. There's enough that only the Master Chief hears. And he's like, there's no goddamn heroes in this war. Yeah. Or too many heroes in this damn war. Like... He is just tired because he knows he is tired of sending people to their death. Yeah. This is a guy who values the lives of everyone under his command and Man. does not want to sacrifice a single one. Like he, he stayed on reach when everybody else left, he stayed on reach to get everyone out. And when it came to the end and like evacuating, he was like, we're taking Everybody's coming with us. Anyone who's left on this planet, they're coming, you know, like, there wasn't a lot of people left, but he was just like, we will le- we will lead this daring rescue of your remaining Spartans against impossible odds because they're not getting left behind. Yeah. I'm not leaving P- 
people behind, especially Spartans. Oh, it's man. He's MVT, most valuable Texan. I he's my favorite Texan of all time. Yo, it's just like there's always God, a UNSC guy. guy who's like a real legend in these books, and he was. Why do they have to die? Because all the legends die. Uh, let's. What is the Sandlot quote? Uh, They're just missing an action. (laughs) Heroes aren't forgotten, but but legends never die. It's like, ah, these great characters that could contribute so much. And they never make it to the games, though. They never make it to the games. Keys Keys is the only one. And Keys was cool. Yeah, Keys was great. Keys is better I would have loved to see Whitcomb. Oh, 100%. Oh, gosh, the keys loop, dude. Yeah. Keys is a tactical man. marvel. That I man, was... Keys would have been Admiral if he did not die at Halo. Yeah. He would have been Admiral if that mission had gone off without a hitch. He'd be leading the damn UNSC. Yeah. They would have won the war yeah. if Keys was still alive. Let's be real. If that mission goes off without a hitch, Covenant don't show up to Reach, you goddamn better believe, what, two, like, do- three dozen Spartans? They're winning that. They're getting that Covenant yeah. ship. They're taking the profit, and nobody's thinking. The Covenant are like, hold on, slow down. They did what? Keys wins the war. <laughs> he's sitting there yeah. in the Pillar of Autumn, and he's just like, all right, the Spartans are doing chaos and high charity. Uh, let's just take out six Covenant ships over here. We got a couple flanking. Just drop some nukes. I'll deal with them later. Uh, take out that one. Remember those nukes now? <laughs> like, they'd never be that calm, but like, that's the kind of guy he was. And Whitcomb strikes, like, Whitcomb is also cool because he's an admiral, but he is an action man. He is, he is a nit, he takes the initiative and he's just like, let's just do this crazy shit. I'm, I'm, I'm taking point, you know, we got to do what we got to do. He, he does not, he's another guy. Like you talk about Haverson being like the cowardly, not being the cowardly Oni spook. Here's a guy who got everything, a, you know, a military person could ask for, you know, they got the cushy admiral job and he's just like, whatever, I'm taking command. Let's do something nuts. Mm. what a great guy yeah like he's the Um, kind of guy that's why you know as cool as Lord Hood is that's why Lord Hood is sitting back at Earth at a council to talk about what happened to Reach and Whitcomb is out there doing some real shit yeah so you know yeah yeah I'm throwing some shade at Lord Hood what are you what have you done for me lately other than Um, I mean later he will let the chief return the Covenant's bomb but right right right. now Uh, he's done nothing for me (laughs) Um, I do want to go over, um, just a couple of things because, uh, do you, did you read it on Kindle? Yes. Okay. So I still have my original copy from when it was released in 2003. I think I still have that too, actually. So, uh, in 2010, they released, um, kind of updated versions of the original three books, uh, to more fall in line with some of the canon errors that were originally printed and had become errors since then with new games and books. And I just want to uh, read a couple of the things that were added in the 2010 version. Um, so one is a message from a character named Charles Van Kirk to Amy. I don't I know either of these characters. Of that. I didn't read that. So whole thing. He, where he offers his condolences regarding Sam's death. Um, there's is that, uh, now, is that Sam, like the Spartan Sam? Uh, who is- oh no, he he was uh he was an insurrectionist who was married to Amy. So, uh it's just like a, I guess a short like kind of world-building story. Okay, yeah, cuz all I kept thinking was it can't be the Spartan. That was the only Sam I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um there's a short story called Tug of War about a character named Oliver Birch who was a fetcher 
uh, after the Human Covenant War. Um, and fetching is an industry that arose um, recovering, like, after the war, recovering kind of uh, Shaw, Fujikawa, like, translate engines from wreckage and debris, that sort of thing. Um, one of the, mo- the, the most interesting one for me would be a transcript of the psychological debriefing of Fred by Dr. Veronica Clayton during the Battle of Earth. Um, and lastly is a short story called Petra about the reporter Petra Janicek, who plays a huge role in uh, the audio drama Halo Hunt the Truth, which is fantastic, um, where she specula- she's a reporter and she speculates on the events surrounding the final days of the Human Covenant War. So if you don't have the 2010 version, you're going to miss out on that like I did. Um, there are a couple of things. It's not um, anything major. To it's miss not out. huge. Like, it's I, not I huge. skimmed some of it. Like, I tend not to care too much. Like, I get it that it's world building stuff, but like my Halo world building is like, you know, these, I'm looking for stuff to build like around, more around the games, I guess. Like, I want the, mm. I want the whole lore and I want to understand like the whole universe. But some of these stories, like that short story was literally like two pages. The the yeah, one apology yeah. for Sam. So that's not really like, and, and the other one, like, it's fine, but it's not something that... I, I don't think that hurts somebody if they don't know about that, but love oh, yeah. Halo lore. No, that's that's yeah, more the sure. point I'm trying to get at. Like, if you have an old paperback copy or can get one for cheap, don't feel bad about not being able to read that stuff. That's not hurting your uh, acceptance of the Halo lore. Yeah, I think the, the biggest, like, the biggest piece of canon fixing they did in the 2010 release is that in the 2010 version, Brutes are no longer described as a never-before-seen Covenant species. Which is I yeah huge. that was the thing because when I was reading that part I remembered that from the first time I read it that they were like yeah. oh we never saw this before but it makes sense that they would retcon that because the brutes had as we later it, found been part of other operations prior to it, even the events it, of Halo One yeah once we get once we eventually get to Halo Contact Harvest which is the first encounter with the Covenant brutes are the ones on the ground they're they're the ones they're pretty much we i think we encounter jackals first out of all the covenant species then grunts and then brutes uh, and i think elites come later well yeah because um, the elites remember they're they're the big guys oh man that reminds me so when they're in yo we should talk about this part so the master chief and and, and whitcomb and everybody they lead the operation to rescue everybody okay and they're in this mm-hmm. big 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 chamber like three kilometer chamber and they oh, yeah, think yeah, they yeah. kill all the Covenant in there, and they're about to leave. And then they realize levels on levels on levels, thousands of Covenant are surrounding them. Weapons aimed, and they're just like, the Master Chief is just sitting there like, this is there's no way out. This is where we die. And a pair of hunters fire on them, followed by a hail of plasma. The three Spart- you know, the, the three Spartans who are ready and able jump out in front to protect the civilians and stuff. They take some hits. They take some serious damage. I think Kelly takes some pretty serious scarring in that. I think that's where she, she takes does. a bunch of her yeah. damage. Like second degree burns the, all over her body. Yeah, th- yeah, that's what put her into shock. Like she went into shock. shock. She was yeah. she was out. She was and out th- of commission for a while. And I and I think that's still partly why Halsey took her, because I think Halsey realized she still needed to treat her, but yeah. she needed to do her mission. And I think, though, I think the difference between her and Linda is Linda, she would have needed more recovery, and Kelly yeah. would have been done quicker. So yeah, I, I mean, think Lin- between the two, that's why she picked Kelly. Yeah, I think Halsey said Linda, like, or I think Linda said that Halsey told her, like, she really needed a rest for like a month. Yeah. 
But she <laughs> because of how and, better. But we all were. know how wrong Halsey was <laughs> in yeah, that yeah. regard. But um, so this hail of plasma is coming down. They kill the hunters because Halsey has this relic that they've been after, and so the covenants start like dropping down. They start repelling down. And the Spartans talk about taking out these, like, elites, just dropping elites. And the chief comments, like, you know, that was, you know, that was the thing with elites. They always wanted to be the first into battle, even if it cost them their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and but, you know, the elites were also the kind of high and mighty cast. The jackals moved in front of them to protect them. So you, I can understand why brutes are what you'd see first, because you're just like, throw them, you know, those are the, the throwaway troops. You know, those are just send them out and let them do whatever. And then the elites will come down and really do the damage, you know? Mm. Um, but that scene, I also think is just really cool. The idea that it's like, yo, this could be over right now. And then shit just goes nuts. It's it's a lot of kind of convenient events. But, you know, in, in a realm of like weird forerunner space magic, you can forgive some of that stuff. Because like there's... There is some crazy stuff that goes on, man. Guys, if you didn't read the book and you're listening to this, especially now that we're not spoiling the whole thing, um, totally read the book. Yeah. This is just, this book is incredible. This is, the more I talk about it, the more I'm convinced that this is, I think, the best of the original four books. Yeah. This might be, I I can't comment because I haven't read all the Halo books, but like, it's going to be tough for another book in the Halo universe to top this, in my opinion, because mm. this book is just incredible. Yeah, it's for me, of the, of the books we've read for the book club so far, it definitely goes First Strike, Fall of Reach, Flood. Yep, I agree with um, that, 100%. And, 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 and reading this again and knowing how much more I enjoyed it than the first time I read it, I'm kind of hoping yeah. I jump back into Ghost of Onyx, and, which is the next same thing book. Happens. And the same thing yeah. happened. The thing with Ghost of Onyx, though... And not to get too spoilery, Ghost of Onyx, but it's like, they spend so much time talking about the Spartan 3s. And I'll be honest, I just don't care. Mm. I just don't care about their throwaway program. Because realistically, you know, I get it in terms of like Halo Reach and stuff, but those Spartan 3s were just Spartan 3s that survived and got put in Mjolnir, you know, regular Mjolnir armor like the Master Chief was wearing. So they're effectively yeah. just, they survived and got to become Spartan 2s. Yeah, That's I basically mean, when you go, what they are. In, when in you range. go through, yeah, well, when you go through augmentations and the training and the differences and everything, Spartan 3s are, the augmentations were less invasive and just as effective. The real only difference they had was that they didn't have Mjolnir armor and they had the weaker uh, SPI armor. Yeah, and they, so did for, not, from, they did not have all of the augmentations that the Spartan 2s. So the Spartan 2s were even a Spartan 3 in Mjolnir armor and a Spartan 2 in Mjolnir armor. Spartan 2 wins every time in a straight-up battle. There's so many arguments online about this really? because, yeah, because uh, because I've been looking at that stuff too. Because I'm like, oh, of course Spartan twos, but like the Spartan threes have slightly different augmentations, but the end result is almost identical to what the Spartan twos had, and they have the knowledge base of the Spartan twos who have gone through so much. So it really like it really does come down to the armor and the UNSC like cutting costs on that making them disposable but from a skill perspective 
it's relatively even. Like, there's a special category of Spartan 3 that's called a Cat 2 Spartan 3, which meet all the original genetic markers that Halsey laid out for the Spartan 2 program. So, like, they're not as disciplined, I would say. But from augmentations, they're pretty equal. Anyway, we'll get into that yeah, later. And I mean, that's not this book. Yeah, I I thought it was interesting. I did some some reading about like Spartan fours and stuff because Spartan fours are objectively out of the armor. Spartan fours because they lack the augmentation are weaker than Spartan twos. Yeah, but they're very the Spartan very Spartan four armor is more advanced than the Spartan two armor than the you know than the the, the Mark two Spartans armor. That it makes yeah. them equal. It's the yeah, armor they've... that makes the Spartan more so in that case. Yeah. Um, it's the armor that makes them a Spartan in that case more so than even the Spartan threes. Uh, but I'm sitting here wondering, like, why hasn't the Master Chief? Like, I'm hoping that's what it is in Halo Infinite, and they're just like, "Yo, this is state of the art Spartan armor on a Mark II Spartan." You know? Yeah. Like, could you yeah. imagine? Like the Master Chief yeah. in this cutting edge armor, like the, there'd be the no contest. His, the Chief and his team in like Team Osiris's armor. Yeah, there there would be no yeah. contest. Nothing could like, dude. That would put them. They're already on another level just because of their combat experience and their their physical prowess. In, in terms of like, let's be real. Like they they've probably gone through more direct training more hours of intensive training than probably anybody who became a Spartan four and probably anybody who became a Spartan oh, yeah. three. And they also have like 35 years of experience. Cause they're like, by the time Halo, Halo, the original Halo rolls around, Master Chief is like 40. Yeah. Like this dude's in his fifties now. Yeah. Like it's incredible. He's like a super yeah. Saiyan. It's just like, we don't age. <laughs> We're in our peaks forever. Um, but yeah. like, just imagine them in the more advanced armor that puts this armor puts you know, uninvasively you know they take regular soldiers and make them into Spartans. Let's be real, like Buck and you know Sarah Palmer and things like that. Imagine a Spartan in an armor that's designed to make a regular person into a Spartan. Imagine putting a Spartan in there, like yeah. an actual like pure blood Spartan. I can. I, do you know June is still alive? Yeah. Like, dude, there's so much they could do with Halo Infinite. Well, now he's an Oni spook, so now he's Yeah, but weird. they could just put him but... in some armor. Yeah. They, no, I get like, it, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm thinking it. about Halo Infinite now, and it's just like, dude. <laughs> Yo, what if that's the best Halo game of all time? What if it's the best time? Halo game of all time? <laughs> Talk dirty to with me. The, <laughs> well, with that, since we seem to be done talking about the actual book, I think we will wrap it up. Yeah. Um, um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. This was, this was the best book club podcast for the best book club book. Yep. Ross, I don't remember the book. I know we're doing next month. So remember, guys, this is the last Halo book for a while. We're going to read Halo uh, Ghost of Onyx. Also yes. done by Eric Nyland, who was probably right now His number, final book. number one author uh, on the book club. Yo, we should yeah. like reach out to him on Twitter and be like, yo, would you do an interview? <laughs> <laughs> Just be yeah. like, yo, like five minutes. Can we talk about your Halo books? Oh, also, man. I loved what you um, did with Gears of War. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what's Halo the, Ghost of Onyx. What's the book we're reading after that? Just so we can pr- confirm with everybody that the next book after this is not Halo. Right. We decided on did something we- and I don't remember. See, I thought we just made the list and we never decided. No, we decided on something. All right, hold on. Oh, we got to pull boy. this back up. 
Yeah, so share pull that me. up. Hold on, where where was um, this book? Just with ca- all caps books. Yep, that's um, it. Um, we decided. Was it one of the Mass Effect ones? Was it? Was, was it a Mass like Mass Effect Retribution or something? I no, remember. I thought we were gonna read something that was a one-off. Yeah. Wasn't it the Bioshock one? I, I did see. I didn't think we actually decided on that. I think you said that would be interesting. Oh my god, we said something. We said we remember. were going to read something. Like, we had the next couple months planned. Man. We figured this <laughs> out. We figured this I, out I, a month ago. Yep, I remember Ghost of Onyx, and then we did have one figured out that I have just no idea. Oh, my God. It's not <laughs> we'll a Halo book. That's all uh, yeah, I can it's not tell a Halo you book. right now. It's all not you, a Halo all book. You, all you, the listeners, need to worry about is that Halo Ghost of Onyx is our next book. Um have that read by uh wow june 2nd it's gonna be june wow yeah um have that read by june 2nd which is as as always we do this the first sunday of each month um so get that going and if you're reading the book uh, tweet us i am yeah. half gen underscore chris i am at rolando 91 yeah but Tweet us. Um, Let us know you're reading this because we'd like to in the future. Like, have like, hey guys, submit books to us, and you know we can read them. Or have you guys vote on a book? You know, like we have books that we're looking at for like series. Uh, you know, like other series to read. So it's like, hey, you know, let's let's figure something out. Yeah. Well, and we'll and you don't need to worry about it now. After we stop recording, we're gonna figure out what this next book was. Yeah, we're we're gonna definitely have that figured out. Yeah, we're going to figure that out, and we're just going to list it in the spreadsheet right next to it. Anyway, um, enough housekeeping. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I had a blast recording this. This was great. Um, this is how they're all going to and... be from now on. Every spoiler cast from now on. I don't know why we yep. thought we had to actually spoil everything, but like, yeah, this I don't is know. so much better. I don't know why... I don't know why we thought, oh yeah, let's just, just summarize like, it, it because it, this wasn't something that we talked about when we started doing these bookcasts. It's just something we did when we started recording them. It's just like, okay, well we just we just started talking about the books sequentially. Same with the games and like Avengers and like honestly, I think the breaking point probably for both of us was that Avengers spoiler cast. I yeah. feel like neither of us were especially happy with how that turned out. I was not. I was not. No, yeah. I, I thought that was yeah. our weakest podcast in probably over a year. Yeah. Uh um, yeah. I agree. And I don't think that God of War one was all that great either. At this point, I don't have I have no recollection of God it. God of War so. one, we were a little more like this, but yeah, like we we got this is the format going forward. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um. We'll be back for our regular weekly podcast on only Wednesday. one podcast this week. Well, Thursday. Thursday yeah. is the podcast. You're right. Yes. Sorry. Thursday. Yes. Wednesday is usually the recording um, day. I will let you know if that changes. Yes, and then uh, start reading Halo Ghost of Onyx for next month's book club. And yeah, thank you so much, Chris, for being here. Thank you, Ross, for being here. And uh, everyone pour one out for Admiral Whitcomb tonight. We will catch you next time. See ya.